Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jim. All right, uh, Jim. So let's uh, touch down the Twins. We played another spring training game yesterday. We saw Pablo Lopez make his Twins spring debut. Two shutout innings for him. Allowed uh, a couple of hits, struck out three. Your thoughts on uh, Pablo Lopez and where he stands in this rotation? Yeah, I don't care at all about results in spring, uh, but, you know, things, things, measurables, you know, how healthy somebody is, how prepared they are. Uh, for a pitcher like Lopez, who's been kind of a, a c- control guy with velocity upside, I guess you'd say, uh, you know, he's been a good pitcher, but he hasn't, his stuff hasn't been crazy dynamic. He's just been a good pitcher. He's throwing harder right now than he threw last season. Uh, and that might be a testament to maturing. It might be a testament to preparing early so we could pitch in the WBC. But I, I would think that's a good sign. Uh, he's prepared to go pitch innings in the WBC. I would guess that by the start of the regular season, he's not going to be somebody they feel like they have to pull after four innings because he's not ready to go deep, as we've seen so often in recent uh, April regular season games. Uh, so, so everything looked good. You know, you can't read too much any, into anything in February, but uh, but the signs are certainly good, and and it all dovetails with what we've heard about Lopez, which is they think he's a, a really hard worker, a really smart young pitcher. Uh, they, they're they really, really thrilled with what they've seen so far. Barring injury, who do you peg to have uh, the most innings pitched for a Twins pitcher this year? Uh, that's a really good question. It'll probably be a really good competition. Um, you know, Maeda will probably be on a limitation early in the season, so not him. Uh, Mally coming off some shorter shoulder problems. My guess is not him. So it's either Gray, Ryan, or Lopez. Um, and really, you know, people like to put it all in the manager. It's really up to the pitcher. If the pitcher can a be efficient with their pitches in the early innings and B uh, prove that they can get through the heart of the order a third time, then they can pitch seven or eight innings. They have to prove it, though. They can't, you know, it's not an So they have to show signs that that's what they're capable of doing. Who's most capable of those three? Probably the safest bet is Gray because he's the most veteran. Uh, and he, he looks really strong in spring training. He says he feels great. Um, Joe Ryan is kind of the sleeper because, you know, he does use his fastball well. Uh, and he just added a slider. You know, maybe he's going to be the guy who can put people away. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. Rule out that Lopez could end up becoming that guy. So one of those three, but you know they'd be really happy if all three of those gave him six plus innings every time out. Jim uh, Max Kepler hit leadoff yesterday. He did that quite a bit during regular season games in the past uh, with uh, teams unable to shift like they had been in the past. Does this allow Kepler potentially to kind of have a a much better year than what he's had the last two years? Yes, and uh, the lineup's going to be really interesting because, you know, if we go by what the way Rocco liked to do things last year, you would think it's going to be Buxton, Correa, Polanco, one, two, three. Uh, that leaves them with very inexperienced hitters in the power slots. One way to, to you know, shift those guys down to more ro- run-producing roles would be, you know, if Kepler, if Kepler proved he was capable of taking good at-bats, drawing some walks, uh, getting on base, producing power. Uh, if he became a better all-around hitter, and he had he was able to lead off, now you can bat. Now you can go Kepler lefty, Buxton righty, Polanco uh, switch, Correa righty, and then maybe Kirilov or or Larnick or 
Gallo, uh, five lefty. Now, now you're kind of splitting up your lefties, your righties. You're also moving your best hitters into more of the middle positions. That would be an interesting way to go. Now, Rocco might he might use 162 different lineups, but it's interesting that he's at least experimenting with this. Jim, how about Austin Martin, a guy that we haven't really brought up? Uh, he and um, Simeon Richardson were two players that the Twins acquired in the Barrios trade. Still considered a top prospect, and I noticed he played second base yesterday. Does he have a lot of position flexibility? Yeah, and I, you know, they still have high hopes for Simeon Woods Richardson that he could become a, a solid rotation starter, which would be, frankly, about what Barrios really was for his career. Uh, Austin Martin's been disappointing so far. Uh, he's had, he had a really good fall league, I think, uh, but overall he's not been the hitter or fielder they hoped he would be. I'm not sure he's a shortstop. I could see him being a super utility player. Um, I just don't, I, I see him being more of a, a depth player than a true a starter on a good team. So I think we talked last week about uh, Donovan Solano, a veteran player that they signed who played for the Giants, I believe it was last year. Uh, you got him, you got Kyle Farmer. Are one of those guys going to make the team and the other one won't? It, we don't know yet. Um, basically, right now, you know, the way I broke down the roster when I was in camp, I'm back home now, was that Farmer, Gordon, and Taylor, plus the, you know, plus Jeffers, that would be your bench, right? Um, and the way they could fit Solano on is obviously if there's an injury that then he serves as quality depth and he steps in. Uh, the other way they could do it is by not taking say like, like a Trevor Larnick to be their opening day DH. If you just wrote, if you really are just going to rotate people through the DH slot, uh, then maybe you don't want one of the young hitters kind of riding the bench up here and just getting random at bats. And maybe you want farmer, Solano, Gordon, Taylor, and Jeffers to be, you know, your depth. And then when, and then when, when you have Buxton or Correa or Polanco in the DH slot, one of those guys plays. And Bracco has talked about Taylor and Buxton playing next to each other in the outfield. That would open up that possibility. You, you put Gallo or Kepler or Buxton at DH, Taylor's in the starting outfield. Jim, are there uh, prospects that, uh, we expect to see at some point this year um, guys that uh, you know, either were at AAA last year or were at Double A and have a chance to move all of the ma- uh, all the way to the majors at some point. They don't. Here's the thing: this is a rare year the Twins aren't sitting here waiting on somebody to come up from the minors. They already have five good starting pitchers. They have Bailey Ober as a sixth. Uh, you know, guys like Winder and Sands and Woods Richardson are waiting there. Balazovich has really kind of written himself off for the. He's going to have to really make good to get back in that in that uh, competition but they don't really need a starting pitcher to come up and help uh they don't really need a reliever to come up and help um they have already have a full slate of major league hitters uh larnick and walner and uh and who am i for oh and garlic you know might be any of them could be on the roster at any time they the other two could all three of them could be waiting in, in St. Paul to come up uh, situationally and to be injury replacements. They just don't need, as it stands right now, they don't need a lot of, uh, they're not waiting on anybody. Now, Royce Lewis is the exception because of injury. He's going to be available sometime midsummer, and he's a, a wonderful player. And if they have an injury, he can slot right in. And if they don't have an injury, then, you know, they can buy their time with him. But 
I, they just don't need any of the prospects to, to rise up and take a job unless they have another year of severe injuries. Jim, uh, what what kind of position flexibility does Royce Lewis have? I mean, assuming you know Correa is healthy when Lewis is able to come back, I, I would assume Correa is going to continue to be the shortstop. Where else can uh, can Lewis play? He can play anywhere. He gets some time working out. He could play third, second, first, left, center, right. I mean, he can play. He can DH. He can do anything. Uh, you know, he, he's a good shortstop. Uh, he wants to play shortstop. He also understands that it's Correa's position. Um, so yeah, he could play anywhere. He just anywhere they give him some time to work out, he will be fine. Jim, the Vikings are faced with some decisions in March, and we're it's going to be March tomorrow. Um, what are they going to do with uh, some of these positions, and where do they feel like they really need to improve, uh, especially from a defensive side? Is it linebacker? Is it defensive back? What do you think would be the top priority for Flores and the Viking defense? Well, they need everything really they need a little bit of everything and they need better team speed um you know donatel was part of the problem last year lack of team speed made donatel's scheme look even worse than it really is um now here's the interesting thing if scene comes on if you know if scene and booth are healthy and they come on strong and if brian asmoa uh ends up being a speed linebacker playing next to kendrick's then you're kind of solving some problems right there. Then you get another high draft choice. My guess it will be a defensive uh, player. You draft a speed player at any level, um, you know, in the first round. And that helps. Um, you have Flores coaching them. So maybe Daniil Hunter and is put in a better position to succeed. Uh, you know, it's the old Jack Lemaire line. You know, he solved one problem to disappear. Uh, they, they might be able to solve some of these problems internally. Um, and then, and, and then if you, then, you know, who knows what happens with your, uh, guys like, we still don't know what's going to happen with Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, guys like that. You know, we don't know what Flores' evaluation of them is, but it might not be the desperate situation. The statistics make it appear to be, they might just be a few tweaks and promotions away from, uh, solving some of these problems. You mentioned Kendricks. Um, are they going to keep him around? I don't know. Uh, once again, we don't know what Flores thinks. We don't know what Quasi thinks. Um, I like Kendricks. I think he's a very smart player. I think he's a leader. I think he's a good guy. Um, I think he's worth keeping around. Will they want to keep him around on his current contract? That's where all these negotiations come in. And that's that's why it's so hard to evaluate from the outside right now. You know, if they approach player A and say, hey, we love you. We want to keep you, but we're only going to pay you this. We'll change your contract this way so it benefits you in the future, but it benefits us. The player says yes. Now they keep that player and then they move on to the next player. That player says, no, I'm out of here. Well, the bad news is they don't keep that player. The good news is now they have that money. You know, they have more money to allocate to other players. So there's just a lot of moving pieces here right now. Is Garrett Bradbury going to be back? I don't know. Um, I would. The thing is, he had a pretty good year last year for most of the year. Um, they don't have an obvious replacement for him. He's a good, and you know, he has a lot of good intangibles. You're not looking to get rid of him because he's a problem in any way. So I would think that he would be in that mix of veterans that if you get him for the right number, you keep him. One of the things that I keep seeing is that, uh, Schmitz, the center from the Gophers who is expected to be late first, early second round pick, um, being attached to the Vikings, would the Vikings go and bring him in? Well, he's a really good player. And if 
center is a priority, then you could go get him, and I'm guessing you could plug him in. He'd be there for five, ten years and solve your problems at that position. The question is not whether he's good. He is really good. The question is, do you want to prioritize center? Do you want to use a – after a year where your team was 31st in defense, do you want to use a high draft pick on a center? Is it a position? Is it an impact position, or is it a position you can kind of cover up if you have if the rest of the offensive line is playing well? My guess is they're not going to invest that much in the center position. Bradbury, they prioritized the position. They wasted a draft pick. He shouldn't have been a first-round draft pick. Uh, Schmitz is probably a better player than Bradbury. But there's no guarantee he, you know, centers just don't transform your team the way you would hope a first round draft pick would. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, full slate is up to talknorth.com. We're going to start a new cycle today with the John Krasinski show, with the Viking Update show, with another Cheryl Reeve show. Everything will be at talknorth.com. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Great. Thanks, Jay. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column to Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Next on WJON, World of National News from ABC. You're listening to the